Welcome to RC Heli Nation version 2.0. I am Nick, and this is episode number 176. I have got Justin and Jesse with me tonight. Say hi, boys. Yeah. What's up? Hola. Hola. We got no Dan hola. tonight. Ho- oh, wow. Did you hola. say that? It's like a hola. <laughs> he said hola. 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 Yeah, we've got no Dan. Dan has uh, some family things that he needs to attend to. Came up at the last minute, so we wish him the best there. And we are going to just take the take the reins and run with it, which is usually pretty scary. But we got it. We just try to steer a little bit. We'll figure it out. So let's see. I I'm gonna leave it up to you guys. Pick who who would like to go first. I want to know what Jesse did. Oh, okay. Is that is that a vote or is that a decision? I'll, I'll, I've, I'll I've made the executive <laughs> decision here. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna roll with it. Okay. Oh, this this is good. So I I just want to start off by saying I'm not taking a no fly. I am taking a no buy. And I am not taking a no sim. Just nice. Get, just get that right out of you know. Just start you got off the with sim that. in two out of three. Not bad. Yeah, two out of three. And you know, didn't didn't spend any money this week. I'm I'm saving up for something bigger. Just that's what I keep telling myself. Just keep pocketing it, and then I'll buy myself something real nice one day. <laughs> <laughs> so last weekend was supposed to be you know the the weekend. Everything was ready. All the helis were ready. Head out to the field Saturday morning, and the weather was almost exactly what what I expected, exactly almost what the forecast called for. It was sunny, about 55 degrees, but there was one small detail that was uh, left out, and that happened to be the freaking wind. Oh. It was horrible. I mean, it it honestly reminded me, and now Nick kind of knows, when I was in Pullman, and I'd say, man, I always have to deal with the wind out at my field, and some days... It's so bad it'll you know blow the hat off blow your hat off your head. Um, it was that kind of wind here in Bellingham. In fact, it was so bad that you know I was going out there. I, I did only do one flight, so I was going out there on my flight that I did. <laughs> your one flight on Saturday, but <laughs> well, hold on, dude. It was bad. It, it was bad. So oh, I know it was the same down here. Yeah. So I go out there and I start spooling up the seven HB, and you know, like I always do. Start the heli in normal mode and then flip into idle up right away. Soft starts great on the Contronic. And so as it's spooling up, I go right to mid stick and it's just sitting there and I'm watching the heli and it starts to tip over. <laughs> yep. The the wind was just horrible. So I had to, I had to hold like a, a solid negative three degrees of pitch 
to just keep the thing on the ground and keep it from tipping over. So what so, did that flight look like? Looked horrible. I <laughs> I entered so right when I started flying, pick the heli up off the ground, turn it side in, and I I typically you know one way that I guess I enter a flight is just to do an aileron roll 90 degrees and kind of push the heli right away from me. And I did that, popped it up and went full positive, so the skids are towards me. So went full positive to get the heli away from me, and the thing just hardly doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it's just like it's still in the exact same spot it lifted off the ground. Um, That's a little unnerving too. It, it was because you know when you really need to get push the heli away from you, it it's horrible when the wind's blowing in your face. So you know, not a whole lot. Saturday was not a very satisfying day. Luckily though, let's roll forward one day to Sunday. Much, much better day. Went out to the field. I uh, didn't make it out there till about 2 o'clock, 2.30. And stayed for hour and a half. Uh, about got in 10 flights. And got the chance to burn some nitro. Which is what I said last week I was going to do. So I did follow through on that. It was awesome to get the N7 going. Get the 7HV going. Um, did not really... Didn't work on a ton of the proficiency stuff. Um, kind of after Saturday, I really just wanted to go out there and throw the heli around a little bit. Now there was one thing on Sunday that was a you know big eye opener. I'm sitting there, eight nine flights in, and I'd I'd been tuning a little bit throughout the day. I didn't bring my laptop with me. I I typically with the V bar now will just use the the little field programmer or the I don't know what the, what the official yeah, the, name for the it Mikado is. football. Yeah, exactly. The little little football shaped field programmer. And so typically that's all I carry with me. It just it lives in my box. It travels to the field with me. So out at the field it's just super convenient. You know, you can land the heli, walk out there, make your small little changes, change your different banks, whatever, and go take right off and keep flying the heli. And I was doing this throughout the day, but by flight eight or nine I was just going, Man, I'm not satisfied at all with how my helis are flying these things i mean kind of flying like crap really to be honest i mean it was it's not looking good little tail shakes here and there uh head bobbles and so kind of had to regroup a little bit this last week so this this led to basically completely starting over on all my setups and all my tuning on both the N7 and on the 7HV. Um, so that's kind of what I spent the last couple nights doing was one heli each night, just you know, plug it in on the bench, plug in the V-bar, hit the reset button, say, save the file first so I kind of have a default to go back to, but hit the reset button and just double check everything. Double check all the setup, double check all the servos are at 90, double check how much collective pitch I'm running. Um, motor speeds, governor gains, you know, every, everything. Um, so hopefully went through all that stuff that, you know, it really needs to change. So hopefully this weekend, my plan would be to go back through and just start from the ground up. I mean, I figure, ah, just kind of thinking back previously with V bar four or five flights, you can usually get the heli pretty close wouldn't you say nick yeah yeah oh yeah i mean it is yeah 
I, it's flyable. It's beatable once the tailgate, just the main tailgate set now. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the, that the the last you know what probably three or four of them that I've done. Uh, I just I'll, I'll set up a bank switch for four different tailgates, and one of them is usually close enough to go right out and hammer it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One thing that I did do is I had been using bank switching like a ton. So right when I first got started flying V-bar and uh, got the V-bars, I didn't really do the bank switching. I just tuned it all on one bank, kept the tail gyro on one of the dials on my transmitter. And then for the last maybe year, I've really gone into the bank switching on the V-bar. And so now I've kind of decided to go back and take the bank switching out at least temporarily just so that I can get that tail tune 100% dialed. Because honestly, it, it kind of seems like a little bit of a hassle to come back to it. Because let's say I'll go out there for my normal flight and I'm still doing the big right aileron rolls to tune the tail. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so let's say I go out there and I set the tail gain with that. Then I immediately jump over to bank switching. And now in a different maneuver, some other you know, flight characteristic that maybe I didn't hit on when I was tuning the tail gain. Now that brings out another negative tendency in the tail where I kind of have to do a reiteration and go back through the tail tuning process. So I really want to just focus on that one bank, make sure the tail is 100% solid before I go ahead and switch it back over uh, to bank switching, which isn't a huge deal. It's just a couple of endpoints on the channel in the transmitter just to make sure the resolution lines up when you're uh, switching banks and then when you're trying to do the tail gain. Uh-oh. So, yeah, I'm torn on that one. That was one thing that was, oh, dude, icon. Yeah, huge win there, having mm-hmm. the tail gain permanently on one channel, and your bank switching was done with a different channel. Awesome idea. Awesome idea. Yeah, that is a pretty cool feature. I agree with you completely. Because I, I don't know, I struggle. Like, I, I have to bank switch when I'm going to try something. Mm-hmm. Slightly different. I mean, I've tried the whole, okay, do it for one flight, change it, go up and do it the next. So easy to get the mind to start playing tricks on you. It doesn't, it just doesn't, like for me, it doesn't work. I mean, on on BD, we don't have bank switching. We've got something called real-time tuning. But same thing with V-bar, Nick. It's It's part of the tail channel. So you can either adjust tail gain or you can adjust <laughs> any parameter inside the inside the fly barless system you just go in choose from a list of like 30 or 40 different things set your endpoints the way you want it and you're ready to go but i i don't know how i would tune otherwise nowadays because you gotta be you gotta be able to you know i start out i crank the dial all the way to the left go up and fly okay now crank the dial all the way to the right do something else and then start fine tuning in the middle range yeah, and I think part of it could be, I, I noticed one keyword that you mentioned, Nick, was when you want to try something. Part of it is, I already have a really good idea where stuff's going to end up. And so I, I feel like I want to you know, kind of re uh, make make sure of that. So double check, make sure the tail gain's going to end up about where I think, where the head gain's going to end up about where I think. And then once I get everything flying, you know, that 90, 95%, then switch it back over to bank switching. So yeah, you can do that fair. real time. That's absolutely fair. So you can do, I just feel like there's sometimes where a tail, you know, a slight tail wag won't come out 
till you really start getting the head a little bit more dialed in, get more comfortable with the heli. Then you'll go and do something and the, you know, you'll see that tail wag or tail kick. And yeah. Like, ah, see, crap. I think it, you know, like in your situation, you're still <laughs> flying the same helis you've had for quite some time. So you have a range that, you know, yeah, you like know, a, a normal operating range, a normal yeah. operating range. Whereas like, I'm not, I'm doing it differently than you right now because I'm setting up a lot of completely new models. Yep. That I don't, I mean, you know, when I went out there this weekend with the 500, it was like, okay, not a clue, you know, picked it up. Okay, the head gain does not feel right. I've got some bobbles, but I don't even know if I should go up or go down. I, yeah. I mean, I really don't yep. have a clue. So bank switching saved a lot of time in that case because I'll just put it at one spot, put one bank like 10 points higher, the other bank 10 points lower. And mm-hmm. at least then it gets me headed in the right direction. Yeah, that's that's fair. So another thing this weekend, while I was going through, you know, completely resetting up the V-bars, I started looking and I realized that I hadn't officially gone through and transferred all my units over onto my account because you know how they manage the V-bar, the updates and oh yeah, the software updates. You got to have, you got to make sure that your V-bar is like registered to your profile on their website. And if they're, Original you, owner didn't transfer it over then. So I got I, a question. I, yeah. Since we're here, I'm going to interrupt. And I'm sure I was going to answer it in like 30 seconds. But. Okay, go. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. Go ahead. I'll, no, I'll, fair. Well, now I feel dumb because you're probably right. So go ahead. You guys are killing me here. Okay. Someone say something. Okay. So basically, that that was the case for mine. Is the previous owners did not transfer over the V bar to me when I bought it. In fact, I got these V bars before. This system was kind of in place. So you got to do a little bit of a work around it. I found it slightly confusing, to be honest, at first, because you got to go over to the European site, make an account, go back to the V-Bar site, and then manage your V-Bar. So for transferring one in, first you put in the serial number to the V-Bar, and then you Which, first... Where do you get that from? From the software. When Whenever your V-Bar is plugged in and hooked up to the computer, in the bottom right-hand corner, it says... The uh, software, like the computer software version, and your V-bar serial number. Okay. So that's where that number comes from. So you put that in, and then it first tries to run it as if the V-bar's never been registered. Because if if it hasn't been updated to Pro or no one's ever claimed it, then you can just register it as a new V-bar that's yours. So unfortunately for mine, both of mine had been registered previously. So what you got to do in that case is go back over to the V-bar software and you have to save a log file. So grab like the previous 100 entries, click save. It just ends up being a PDF file, and you have to upload that to the VBAR site and click submit. And it kind of sends it sends it off, and they'll say, we'll review this and get back to you within 24 hours. And in, in both cases, I did this for the N7 and the 7HV, it was about an hour and a half later, an email popped up that said, this VBAR has been added to your account. So nice. Good Dude, to go. I, so, I am so in the same boat. I need to do that bad. And well, I had no clue how to do it. Yeah. So not like a little bit confusing, but really not too bad in the end. After I did the first one, oh, geez, it was a breeze to do the second one. Um, so both of those are registered to my account now, which means you can keep them completely up to date. Because then what you have to do to update your VBAR is go to your online account where you manage your devices request a firmware update you get like an email confirmation that says you have 24 hours to update your v-bar 
And then you got to go back to the VBAR software, like for programming and tuning your VBAR, and then do an online firmware update. So a little bit of like this, yeah. go to one I'm site. I'm still like, I don't know, man. They So it. I think it sounds, I think I just made it sound a little bit worse than it was because it's really not, you a, did, not a huge like, deal. I'm feeling like that's a major pain I, in the butt. It it was a lot worse to get the V bar registered over to my account than once it was there. You just have a list of your devices and you just click firmware update. And then, well, what did you update it to? So it was mine were still on five point three point one, and there's five point three point four. Oh, now I, I believe. Now I gotta wonder what that differences are. And I'm sure we probably mentioned them at one point in time during the news, and we're just like, "Oh yeah," and then kind of forgot about it. Never. <laughs> I don't even think there's updated. been one in quite a while, though. Yeah, it's it's been a while, but it's been longer. I'd bet since long time because they've had that system out for a fair amount of time where they've been managing the firmware updates like this. Oh, um, all right. Well, so, sound, thanks. Now bad. I know what I'm doing. Sounds bad. If if other people try to go through it, got any questions, shoot me an email. It's, it's really not that bad. One. Thankfully, I've dodged that bullet. I actually have to upgrade one. The mini that I'm putting on the 570 mm. that I bought is brand new and still has. I mean, it's a it's an express version. Oh wow! Yeah, untouched. Gotcha. So all okay. right, Jesse. What so, else, dude? So this brings me to today. My day off, it's a Friday, mm-hmm. and I was super excited to go to the field. Wake up about, you know, wake up early, get everything loaded in the truck, and he- was heading to the field by 8 30, 9 o'clock. Going, this is, this is going to be great. In Everson, where I live, the weather was awesome. No clouds in the sky, wind wasn't blowing, looked a little bit cloudy towards the field, but. Honest, honestly, I didn't expect it to be pouring down rain and blowing. <laughs> yep. But that was exactly what I found when I got to the field. So it was ended up being a not so great day. I went ahead and took care of some stuff in town. I'm like, okay, maybe I can wait this thing out. The weather looked like it was supposed to progressively get nicer throughout the day. So maybe I'll go run some errands and wait it out. Well, I got done with all that stuff by about 1230 and it was still just blowing and raining so decided to call it a day and head home so no flying today but the nice part is i have a canopy on my truck so the truck's all packed for the morning (laughs) didn't go through and pull everything out i'm like i know i'm going to the field tomorrow and tomorrow looks really good no it it does but it kind of looks like last saturday to be honest it's that oh really 55 degrees but it's calling for 15 mile an hour winds or something like that so my forecast is saying zero percent chance of rain sunny no clouds five mile an hour wind yeah ours is about like that but just which is like more wind yeah 10 to 20 yeah so closer to 10 is good closer to 20 is not so (laughs) we'll have to see where it falls but other than that, I think that about sums it up. I'm just praying for the weather. Oh, and I I added one hour of sim time. I only got in two nights at 30 minutes apiece. Better so than I, nothing. Nice, dude. 
hey, at least you got back to it because as of last week, you'd been off it for a week or two, I think. Yeah, right? it was it was two weeks. Uh, the one week studying for the test, and then the other week just not simming, <laughs> doing wow. other stuff. So yeah, got back to it for a couple nights, and hopefully ramp back into it. I do got to say, it's still. I mean, the time went by really fast, and it wasn't su- as structured as I would have liked the sim time. But it was nice to just be back on the sim, and you know, time flew by. So. Brought to you by the legendary Burt Kammerer, BK Servo is proud to present to you its new line of cordless micro-cyclic and mini-tail servos. When you don't want to compromise on performance, but are looking for an affordable, high-voltage servo to keep your 360-class heli locked in no matter what you throw at it, Look no further than the BK DS3001 HV Cyclic Servos. Designed specifically to handle the rigors of today's 360 to 380 millimeter models, the BK DS3001 HV High Torque Cyclic Micro Servos will keep you connected. And for amazing tail performance, look no further than the BK DS5005 HV Mini High Speed Tail Servo which will hold through the worst that you can throw at it. BK Servo. Coming to a 360-class heli near you. How'd it go this week? Uh, Well, it went... I think, actually, it went overall pretty decently. I'm going to take a no-fly, though. Uh, I actually got struck with the same weather today on my day off that Jesse did. Uh, the yeah. difference was that I didn't even bother trying to go to the field because it didn't stop raining until like 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon. And then it got windy. It was still overcast. And, you know, our our field is up in Snohomish. I live down in Bothell, which for those who don't know is... I'd say 10, 12 miles south, so a few minutes away. But there's an airport up there by our field. And if you go to the airport website, you can actually look on like a live webcam and it updates like every 30 seconds so you can see the weather conditions. And that airport's literally like two miles or three miles away from our field, Mm -hmm. something close. And so looking at it, it was basically raining the entire afternoon on and off. So I just said, screw it. I'm not, I'm not even going to bother. It'll just frustrate me, which, which, you know, it aggravates me because most of my Fridays off, I at least am able to get some time in. I'm not a stickler for weather. I don't wait until it's sunny. As long as it's not raining, mm-hmm. it's good enough for me. And I was looking forward to this one in particular, because as I mentioned last week, You know, the 14S pack on the TDR took a crap, the Pulse uh, 14S 4500. So I basically grounded my two 14S machines, which are the Speed and the TDR. And I had just gotten the Goblin Speed fully set up and checked out at home on the Jetty, and it was ready to go. And I had been messing around with the chase and decided I didn't want to bother with it. So it was going to be Goblin Speed, Goblin 770. Just a nice, simple, 
two heli fleet, both running off of 12S stick packs, but no such luck. I, I do have to say, though, I'm pretty jealous that there's an actual weather station that you can see updated data that you know is accurate for your flying field. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know how many times, thinking back to school, you know, being in Pullman, I traveled out to the field you know, 10, 15 miles away only to find that the weather was horrible once right once you got out of town. Yeah, dude, it's so, it it is rough. I've I've made mistakes before of not looking at that camera mm-hmm. and then I've gotten to the field and I've gotten bit. Yep. But not That's anymore. A pretty it awesome stays resource. on my browser pretty much permanently on my phone. Nice. Anyway, no fly, but tomorrow the weather is supposed to be really nice. No wind. And Sunday's supposed to be good as well, so I'm going to see if I can get out during Charlie's nap time on both days and get a couple of flights in each day. All right, next, I ended up getting a uh, couple of switches for the jetty, and I swapped out some switches. Uh, On the top left of the radio, there's a long switch, and then there's a shorter switch closer in. The shorter one's a three-position, kind of like your typical idle-up switch. And then the one in the back is also a three-position. But what's interesting is that it has a it has a spring load at one end. So the first two positions are, you know, like uh, they, they, they stick or they latch in that, that spot. And then the third one, you click it, and it's just a momentary. I didn't like that. It doesn't do anything for me. So I got a a long one with a two-position latch, swapped that out. And then the DS-14 comes with two open spots on the front face where it's just got switch covers and you don't have any switches in there. And then I put uh, two two two-position latching switches in that. And I will tell you, dude... Swapping these things out is awesome. Nick, you and I have done this before. I think maybe, Jesse, you have as well. But, like, yep. on the Futaba, how do you swap out a switch? <laughs> you completely disassemble the inside, and then you have to know, you have to have experience and know how to solder or desolder three pins at a time. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have... A cut couple sets of helping hands and some, uh, <laughs> some luck. Yeah, <laughs> some luck. luck and some and uh, uh, yeah, it can just be a really a, a big challenge. Exactly, and the jetty is completely different. All of the switches have little two-sided ribbon cables, and the switch has a ribbon cable outlet. And then the board sort of at the top of the radio has a whole array of ribbon cable uh, outlets. And so all you have to do is find an open outlet, pop the ribbon cable into that, stick the switch into the other side of the ribbon cable, and then run the switch into the front of the radio and tighten down the switch nut. And then the minute you turn it on, it says, oh, I sensed that you changed a switch. Is it this one? And then you say confirm, and then you can go and program and do whatever it is you want to do. Wow. It's freaking genius. That, it, it that is. is pretty intense. I mean, it was that's dude. awesome. 
I was ecstatic sitting there like, whoa, wait a minute. I just swapped out three switches in like 10 minutes. The soldering, like for me personally, I don't mind doing the soldering and I can do all three solders simultaneously with no help. But you do have to be focused. You don't just go in there when you're half asleep because you're either going to burn your finger off or you're going (laughs) to burn something in your radio. Yep. This makes a big difference. So anyway, that that was kind of kind of cool. Next up, I got the nutsack. <laughs> it, it it came in the mail. I got to tell you, it's pretty realistic, as one would expect, given that it is, in real. fact, a real, real scrotum. <laughs> Generally, things that are real are fairly realistic. Are fairly realistic. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I think I sent a couple of pics to you guys, and Nick's immediate reaction was, that is so inappropriate and disgusting. I'm like, dude, what the hell is your problem? Yeah. I don't know why you're so turned off by this thing. But I, I, I'm not. It's not like, oh, like, trying to oh my gosh, out. that's disgusting. It's just that you actually paid money for this. I mean, you are one of the people that I guarantee you they were laughing their ass off at when they were boxing that <laughs> thing up because it's like, out of all the choices, you easily could have found a regular plain Jane trophy with a plastic little gold plated painted plastic set of nuts to put to put on the top of it in typical trophy fashion. But oh no. You went for the hundred percent real mummified the whole deal. Oh yeah. And dude, let's let's be clear, there was no laughing. Because the place that I bought it from specializes in selling preserved scrotums. Like, that's what they do. And you're a customer. You are now on their newsletter list. Exactly, dude. (laughs) You are getting the updates. (laughs) And I'll tell you, when they do come back in stock with the one that they turn into a canteen with like a little cap and like a liner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, you need help. That's going to hang off the side of the trophy, and it's going to get filled with hot apple pie. And you are going to have to drink from it. I'm not gonna have to I drink may have to take a picture with this thing, but you guys, are, yeah, the one that I got this week, I, don't, I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to put like Skittles in it or, you know, something. Crash parts. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll move on because I can tell Nick just can't handle these sorts of things. (laughs) I'm more just confused. Yeah, exactly. It's not that I can't handle it. it. I just, I am not, I I can handle the topic. I can handle, obviously, the trophy. I am, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm questioning, it's so odd that I'm questioning our friendship. That's. That's oh, where we're get out of here. <laughs> Jesus. I, like Jesse said, I'm confused. Yeah, I'm just I am confused. confused at your desire for these products than anything. Dude, you got to own it. I, I lost fair and square last year, and we made a pact that we would have a Sacco trophy, and here we are. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next. The chase is gone. Gone as in you sold it? 
Yeah, in fact, it was up on the forums for a grand total of about 18 minutes before it sold. <laughs> ah, priced mm. with love. Indeed. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and it's being replaced. I've already placed the order. I have a Goblin 380 on the way. Oh, you just ah. couldn't help it. Nope. It, it had to happen. I told you I needed a 360 slash 380 class heli. The the chase was was good enough to get me to that realization. So, you know, it doesn't make sense for me to get anything else. Even though I know the warp and the Gowie and, you know, blah, 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 all the other stuff out there is awesome. I would kick myself if I hadn't have gotten 380 at least to give it a try. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I highly doubt that it won't work out. I've got a yellow and blue one coming. I already bought the servos. So the servos are coming and the X Nova motor is also coming. And then I'm actually going to use the hobby wing 50 amp ESC that I had on the chase. Cause after doing a lot of research on the forums, most people aren't seeing spikes on like their castles uh, or other telemetry equipped ESCs above 60 or 70 amps. And that's hard 3D. And I, the X Nova yeah. motor that I ended up going with, which was the 890 KV, not the Turek one, it has a maximum continuous current of 48 amps. So why? Okay, this is something I don't understand. Why do all of these 380 owners why did everyone put like 100 amp escs on there because sab recommended it if you look in their manual they say go with a yge or a contronic kobe 90 or a castle 100 and all these people were convinced that that's what you need now I'm not saying that's wrong. I bet you there are people out there that can throw down hard enough to require continuous currents above 50 amps without a doubt. But I sure as hell won't. You know, I I don't smack fly. Dude, I guarantee you I, as I could fly that as hard as my heart is content and have an absolute blast. And I bet you an ice 50 would work on it. Right, right, and that's that's my hunch as well. So hey, you well, know what? maybe if, not quite, Jesse. You shut down your fifty, right? In on a hot day, on a really hot day with the canopy on. Yeah, I have a couple times. Okay, so maybe borderline because it is just a, a bit bigger. But again, anyway. Jesse flies a lot harder than I do, yeah. so no, I, I don't yeah. really feel all that concerned. And if it turns out that it's getting really warm and I need to trade it up for the next size, then fine. But the Hobbywing 50 amp is an amazing ESC. It's got a great governor. It performs awesome under a variety of different head speeds, and it's got a 7 amp continuous BEC. That's a no-brainer to me. I completely agree. I mean, I would would far rather run... I'm just different as of this last couple of years it's like i don't want to run anything bigger than i have to i'd rather keep Mm -hmm. it smaller and lighter and yep exactly dude and that's why i mean this is a 50 gram esc all of the hundreds are like 
65 to 100 grams, depending on the brand. Well, I mean, the Contronic Kobe 90 is only 62 grams, but it also costs like $220. (laughs) The Hobbywing 50 amp is $50. And I already had one. Yeah. Yeah. There's no argument for me. I'm going to try to keep it light initially just to see how it goes on the, the SAB 380 blades. And that also means that for the time being, I'm going to give the OptiPower 1400 packs a try that I had for the chase. Now, a lot of people are saying 18 to 2200 is what they think is is ideal for this heli. But they're also flying what they at least claim in text to be hardcore smack 3D. Yeah. Such a weird such a weird balance of, well, oh, yeah, no, those packs are perfect. Well, but they make it heavy. Well, I don't even notice it at 3,900. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> at 4,000 RPM. Uh. <laughs> anyway, that's, uh, I had to do it. I, I, I do not want to screw around with crap this season. I want a heli that is reliable that's going to fly when I want it to fly. And once I finish the tuning, it is there when I need it. I've got too much crap to do between the proficiency program and getting ready for speed to be dicking around with an unreliable piece of hardware. The only other thing I had was I did sim. I'm up at 10 hours and 15 minutes. I'm loving the sim right now. I'm kicking some serious butt on there. I'm feeling more comfortable on it, which makes me feel better when I'm actually flying the helis. Uh, The only thing that I was disappointed with this week is a week or two ago, we talked about the, what's it called? The Heli X version six sim. Yep. Yep. Last week. I downloaded that that very same night after we were done recording. And spent a good portion of the weekend trying to get it to work on both my Mac and my Windows laptop. And I cannot get it to work. Even the Windows one? Nope. Not even Windows. I keep getting the same exact error. And it traces down to there being some sort of an incompatibility with the Java software that it requires to run and the graphics card or the graphics card drivers. Because it's not unique to this software. Obviously, Java is used in, you know, tons of different things. So if you go and search the error that it gives you in the command prompt, uh, it'll tell you for other games and other software, oh, this means... You know, so-and-so driver isn't working correctly. I went into, like, I went into, like, advanced mode and started fiddling around back in the in the source files to try to find stuff. And I had gotten through a couple of the hurdles, and then the one that I'm stuck on right now, I don't know how to get through. I think I, I've, it's over. It's <laughs> not going to happen. I could not get it to work on my Mac either, hmm. which I was pretty, pretty stinking bummed. I was pissed, dude. Well, this is this is just the trial, correct? That you're trying to get to work? Yeah, but 
it's yeah. a it's a full version. The only difference between the trial and the paid is that on the trial you only get like four or five models, oh, okay. and the paid you get all of them. Gotcha. Yeah. So I don't. I mean, I would think it should work the same. Yeah, I would think so. Otherwise, what's the point of the trial? Yeah, that one was really frustrating. Mm-hmm. I may spend a little bit more time this weekend messing with it, but I'll, I cannot figure it out. I'll make it work once you tell me how you got it to work. Well, if I get it to work. Yeah, or if anyone can tell me how to make it work, then I'll try it. But I've spent enough time on it right now to where... Yeah, I'm open to suggestions myself. Like I said, neither platform works. So is that it? That wrap it up? That's it for this week. With the crazy schedules that we run around here, having products that can be both technical and convenient is an absolute must. The Revelectric's Dual Power Lab fits that bill perfectly. With the extensive live data graphing capabilities that the Dual Power Lab offers, I'm never left with a lack of charging and battery information. Not to mention, being able to crank out 40 amps per channel leaves me with charge times that even I can't keep up with. So quit wasting precious time waiting for your packs to be done charging. Pick up a dual power lab to step up your charging game. Thanks, Nick. For more information, log on to www.revolectrix.com, then click on the Revo USA store. Mine started same as Jesse's in the wind. Uh, I did have a funny little ha ha. Got the goblin all set up on the V bar, and apparently, it took me a couple flights. This is how windy it was. <laughs> um, I forgot to so in the sensing divisor in the governor on the V bar. Rather than take that uh, motor pole count and divide it by two. I just didn't divide it by two and put the pole count in there. Oops. Yeah. Well, it was so windy that I went out to fly it, and apparently, what did we tack it at, Jesse? Oh, man. It was like, I want to say- I want to say 28. 28, 28.50, something like that. Yeah. It was hot. It was hot. (laughs) It really didn't feel that bad. (laughs) Sounded angry. Well, with the wind as bad as you guys were describing it. Yeah, it didn't feel that. It sounded anger, and I yeah. was like, wow, this is really bogging a little, like a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, no wonder. Tired ass packs and that. So it, uh, yeah, and I actually had a tip over on a landing because it was so freaking windy. So whatever. I did get that all sorted out later in the week. Did it um, damage anything? The tip over, I bust. Yeah, I broke one servo horn, which I just swapped out at the field, and then a link went through. Kind, of, I won't say went through the main gear, but it it kind of marred it up a little bit. And I said, "Screw it," and I've been running it since. So I'll get a new one ordered. I still need to order the upgraded heavy duty pinion for it. It's still got the original shiny one in there. What was the wind so bad? It's like one of those days where you think I really want to shoot autos, but unless you get like mock speed, you know, Mach one going into the wind on the auto, 
that it ends up pushing you back and you land like 500 yards away? Uh, Is okay. it one of those? <laughs> so funny you mentioned that. <laughs> um, I did after giving up flying that. I was like, screw it. I'll get out the Raptor. And I was like, Jesse, get up here. I'm going to take some. I'm going to do some proficiency tests. <laughs> oh, I don't care. God, come on. I put it into an, an inverted hover and it was, I'm, dude, 25, 30 degree angle. Yeah. Like just, just to stay in one just spot. Just to stay in one spot. <laughs> and we were like, we were all laughing. And then I'm like, ah, screw it. So I go way up to shoot an auto. So you got to picture this. I'm out maybe, I don't know. 80 feet out in front of us and about 40 feet off to the right, straight up, a couple hundred feet, tail in, mm-hmm. and I hit throttle hold, and I did that entire auto and landed in front of us, all tail in. So I had uh, backward speed, not any forward speed. Right. Zero forward speed. It floated backward as it autoed. And uh, it was funny. I mean, it was worth a good laugh, but it was so buffety out there that just the wind, oh, man, it was ridiculous. Like, you couldn't even fly straight across the field, and it was bouncing up and down five, ten feet. Sorry, not going to happen. Man, that that's aggravating. I'd and, rather it just rain. And that was the first. Because at yeah. least it kind of, you know, it's like, okay, I guess I can't. Can't yeah, I can't go to the field. Yeah. I'll stay home. I'll wrench. I'll do something else. And that's the first time, you know, we kind of haven't, we haven't really touched on the whole weather woes, but that is, I believe, the first time this winter, which seems to have, have I've lasted longer than I did last year, but I was angry. <laughs> like I went home pissed. Dude, that's heli blue balls, Nick. It is. It really is. But it, it hasn't hit me yet this winter. I haven't got that frustrated, stir-crazy anger that I had. I felt like more last year. But that was the first day. I went home. I pulled in the driveway. I shut the truck. I didn't do anything. I didn't plug the trailer in. I was pissed. I went in, played video games. And it was like, screw this. I am tired of this. <laughs> it's not fair. Because it's always nice for two or three days during the week while I'm at work. And I can't do anything because it's not light enough mm-hmm. after work or, or whatever, before work to fly. Yep. And I was just, I was pissed. So I got the 500 all fixed, um, figured out what I did wrong. Uh, I actually went back to the stock hole battery setup, tray setup on it, uh, to drop weight. Wasn't that much different than the KDE one, but I'm just trying to get it down as light as possible. And speaking of that, so I'm talking to uh, talking to a buddy about batteries, and we were talking about battery weights. And, you know, this one came from Dan. I didn't realize that not a lot of people fly 4,500s in there. Like, that's pretty freaking heavy. Hmm. Seems yeah, like, it's a it's a tiny heli. I could see that. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about it, six S forty five hundred. That's what a lot of people fly in five fifties. Yeah. Yep. So doing a little more research, uh, yeah, no wonder. After I mean, after I got it tuned on the V bar, which went really fast and easy, uh, it was like, well, it flies great, but 
it's just heavy. I mean, it just it falls knife edge really fast. Needs to be a little floatier. So I found that kind of like 37s to 4100s is the norm. Started checking out weights, obviously finding finding information on goblins and pulse batteries is quite plentiful since they kind of, you know, <laughs> they go hand in hand a lot and they've used to go hand in hand like big time. So I ended up ordering um uh or going to get a set of 40 300 OptiPower 30Cs. Now, it's a little a little heavier than I would have liked, but they were close they're not that far from like the 45C Pulse 4100s in mm-hmm. weight. Like it was uh, something like 20 grams or something different. So, and it's still about 70 or 75 grams lighter than the batteries that are in and there what's now. in it? Nice. Yes. Yeah. And so that, you know, I'm not trying not to get caught up on the milliamp. I'm going off of actual weight. So between the battery tray and the batteries, I will have dropped about 100, a little over 100 grams. Nice. That's a big deal on a 500. And it really is. And I that's going to make me feel, because it flies great. It's just heavy. And it's... As I've been getting it tuned in and putting a little more time in it, doing the Delrin dampers, I mean, I was looking at my flight count. Can I, I can't believe this. I have more flights this year on the Goblin 500 than I do on any of my other helis. Wow. But how many flights do you have in total? I mean, that's probably not saying much, right? Well, no, it's got 20 flights on it, and I think the two Raptors... Uh, I know one's got 18. I don't remember what the other one's ah, got. So now. you're close. And plus, you've got two Raptors. So you probably split your time between them. Yeah, but still, it's just, no, I don't think so. No? Not this year. No, I don't. If I, eh, maybe somewhat, but I don't, like, alternate them or anything. Truthfully, I'm at the point now where I walk into the trailer. If I'm going to bring one to work, I literally just grab whichever one I happen to grab. I don't even pay attention. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. But it's it's battery week. That was the big realization this week was I need to I need to just bite the bullet and strip them all off and throw them all away. <laughs> because I think that's what it's going to take for me. I mean, I was out there flying the E700, heads wobbling, tails kicking and it's like, okay. I know. I know that it's not an out-of-tune thing. It's just that these are just done. I mean, they were supposed to be done last year, but I've milked all my batteries, and and I think it, it really is going to take me putting them in the garbage and having the garbage go away from my house. <laughs> to actually not use them again. To not use them. So the plan is I How about I have, you give them to me? You do not want to put these in anything. I'm not going to. But I will use them for my bench experiments. I'm I'm completely serious. Oh, dude, you bet. I've got a lot. I mean, a lot. I will be retiring three Goblin 500 packs and three stick packs out of the E700s. 
So I've got some bench testing batteries. You, you know what's cool, Jesse, is <laughs> that I think the stick packs are the ones that he's retired like three previous oh, times. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then brought pull them out, out of retirement. retirement. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like, oh, buying three stick packs at once stings. We'll just pull that back. Yeah. We'll I'll just. <laughs> yeah. But well, I'm, I'm kind of tired of chasing. They're, they're at the point now where it's like they're. Like you're talking about, Jesse, you know that range in which your heli tunes in? Mm -hmm. I can't tune my helicopter. <laughs> like, I can't because it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So, whatever. I think I am going to do that. I actually think I am just, I mean, I, it might even be this week. I just bite the bullet and do it. Because I've got one, uh, one pack, one set of packs for the E700. So that'll be good. I ordered 2700s uh, for the 570. So 12S 2700s. That's going to be sweet, nice. dude. That thing's going to be. It, it is going to rip. Yep. It, I, I can't like wait it to see it. Because it's going to be efficient if I don't need it to. But oh, yeah, buddy. You crank that sucker up. Oh, it's going to be so much fun to fly. Wait a minute. That's one thing I was going to say that that you did this week, right? The pinstriping? Yep. Dude. Oh, that looks awesome. Uh, and that, that looks badass. All of that credit goes to John Cook. All of it. Because I put the picture up when I got it, and you know we were all joking about everyone was going, that canopy. Like, just flipping out because it's gray and white, and we live in the it, Northwest. It is pretty damn hideous. I love it. I think it looks great. I'm not yeah. going to say it's the most visible thing, but I love the look of it. And the visibility. Okay, I guess those who are not living in the Pacific Northwest, I can appreciate the perspective. But when you guys live here, you realize that you just need to learn how to fly with any color in any lighting condition, and you get over it. So I'm that wasn't bothering me. Yeah. I just it feels like uh, it, it feels like a black and white movie. Nah, it's very, it's a, it's just a very sexy, clean, you know, when you put the, like, they give you the vinyl for the tail fin mm -hmm. and for the skids. And when you get all that on there, there's just so much white and cleanliness to it. It's like, oh, woo. did you put the vinyls on? Absolutely. Oh, see, I never put the vinyls on. I yep. like all my skids to be just black carbon. No, because you got to remember, I'm a white skid guy. I like white skids and maybe that'll change. I mean, maybe this is going to be, I don't know. This is a whole new, got to remember, this is a, a new world for me that I'm just going to really get used to. So we'll, we'll see. But the pinstriping turned out great. I just used regular 3M 16th inch wide uh, pinstriping vinyl tape. Where did you get it from? I ordered it off of Amazon. It's amazingly hard to find orange. Believe it or not. Yeah, I think I may hmm. pick up a couple of different colors just so that I can screw around with stuff. Yep, really easy to use. And then... And it doesn't come off easily, right? No, uh-uh. So no. you can, like, wipe the canopy down with some oh, Windex yeah. or oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. No problem. And then it's really nice, like that, uh, now that SAB gives you that trim to go around the top of the canopy. Mm -hmm, the moose. The what? Canopy moose. Moose? That's what they call it, yeah. Really? Yeah. 
Wow. I don't have any hair to use any moose. <laughs> um, but yeah, that kind of, you know, as it wraps over the top of the canopy, it's not going to come off because of that around the top. So I dig it. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, I want to go to that. Or I want to go to that. Okay. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll stay there along the lines of the, the stickerage. So I get, uh, I get this package today from Ninja Rap. You guys saw the pictures. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, they have completely outdone themselves this time. They made us some pilot stickers for all of us, some RC Heli Nation ones, some other decals, and what I didn't, you guys didn't see in the pictures, they uh, also sent me some uh, skid decals. For the 570 and vertical fin. Nice. So I'm just, uh, I mean, these guys do phenomenal You guys are work. incredibly badass. Yeah, that is Thank so Thank you awesome. very much. And, and the quality of these stickers is just awesome. These pilot stickers are so cool. And if you guys, seriously, go to our Facebook page. Look at what's on there. I see no reason why you can't say, I want that sticker with my citizen number in it. They are the sickest looking stickers I've seen. I mean, they are awesome. I'm going to actually probably order a huge pile of them for all of my helis. I want those pilot stickers on because that's how cool they are. The little, they got the little little RCHN emblem right next to it, and it's got pilot and then your name. And, oh, so, yeah, Ninja Rap, you guys are just incredible. And, again, I've kind of got that soft spot for father and son doing stuff together and, you know, dad's teaching his son how to do it, and that just makes it all that much better. That's what this hobby's about. Oh, man. What else? Oh, yeah. I got some speakers. Woot. Little For ones. your radio. Little, little speakers. <laughs> little speakers. Little baby yeah. speakers. No, no boom, boom. No boom, boom speakers here. These are little ones, slightly larger than my thumb. But I'm going to attempt to do the telemetry. What are we going to call this? Telemetry alarm mod? Sure. So sure, for, why not? It sounds technical. Yeah, it needs to be. Because there's <laughs> going to be cutting and drilling and soldering involved. And hopefully no swearing. Uh, <laughs> so the for the Futaba guys, uh, on the 10J, the 14SG, any other ones? Eight. Uh, no, the 8FG doesn't do it. Yeah. Um, I think that's it. Does yeah, the 8J? So. No. No? I think only the 10J has telemetry. So what it is is you have access to telemetry alarms that you can set, you know, receiver battery voltage, milliamp consumption, right? Like we were talking about ordering those sensors out of Europe. Uh, there are programmable alarms that you can do, but the only way that you can hear those alarms is through a headphone jack on the back of the radio. 
dumb, but whatever. So what I am going to attempt to do, I bought these little teeny speakers. I got a quarter watt one and a half a watt, and I am going to bypass the headphone jack on the back and attempt to mount and turn that into a speaker on the front of the radio. I'll just you know, drill a couple little holes over opposite of the dial of like where the dial is on the 10J. Yeah. Go over to the other side, yep. drill a nice little round template of some holes, make it kind of like a speaker grill and glue that sucker to the back and hopefully it'll work. If it doesn't, I'll probably have to like buy and or hack up something else for the amplifier portion of it. Dude, that's exactly what I did on my 8FG. Now, on the 8FG, of course, it doesn't have any telemetry stuff. It just has a buzzer or a beeper. But I I did the same thing, and I drilled a hole in the front over on the left and uh, stuck the speaker in there, and it made such a huge difference. And you just did a little teeny, like that, I don't even know, maybe you can tell me the technical name of it, the the beeper, the buzzer that you used, was it an actual speaker or did you just get like the little teeny with the little round? Yeah, it's a little piezo buzzer. That's it. But it's a quarter watt. And I basically just went into the the radio and literally uh, ripped the stock speaker off the circuit board down to the point where I just had access to the two power leads on it. And then soldered in a standard servo connector, and then solder, or and then uh, crimped a servo connector on the other end of the speaker, so that I can unplug it and plug it back in just in case you know the speaker dies or whatever. It's an easy swap out. I don't have to go back in and do the soldering again. And then I used, I cut a little ring of 3M gray put it around the speaker so there was a hole in the middle for the actual port and then stuck that to the inside of the radio uh, over the hole that I drilled. And yep. it, it works great. See, I went with an actual speaker because you can uh, command the you can command the telemetry to call out like the voltage. Yeah, and th- yeah, exactly. And I think that makes perfect sense. So you can actually hear them say like 5.5 volts or whatever. Yeah. And my buzzer will obviously not do that. Yeah. So that's the right way to go. I mean, awesome. When you can order two of these little speakers and ship it all for like $10 or something like 12 bucks. So we'll see how it goes. I'm excited to try it. If it works, it would, it would just be awesome. I hope I don't have to put an amp in it, but. We'll see. So you flew. I did fly. Flew last weekend. Flew during the week. Couple flights. I did you buy? Oh yeah, bought the batteries. Right. Yep. The batteries. Got the batteries. The speakers. I did not sim. Dude, I you're told turning you. into Dan oh, on man. this. I told you last week. I mean, I spent. Uh, what's that? Uh, it, no, I think Monday or Tuesday, uh, after we got back from the bad day on Saturday, I was, dude, I was bumming on Sunday. You know, I had a wonderful day with my family, which I always will put first and I love to have those, but of course, like Sunday wasn't bad. <laughs> Go figure. 
and you were pissed on Sunday. I was. I talked to you a couple of times, (laughs) and Jesse posted like, "Dude, I got to fly," and you're like, "Screw you." And it's not. I mean, it sounds horrible because I, you know, I had a wonderful day with my family. Went for a bike ride, and you know, and dinner and all that. And it's. I don't mean to degrade those, but it's. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating. How about that? I was frustrated. Yep. Because I need that. I need that that day to, you know, that recoup day for the week. So. So here's the final question. Yes. When are you buying a Goblin 380? Uh, you know. Because you know it's coming. Oh, yeah. No, I'm. uh, You're, you're, you know, you are going to be. You're going to have so many damn goblins this year. It's going to be ridiculous. And we are going to make fun of you for each (laughs) and every one. That's okay. I'm dude. I'm, I'm not even going to deny it. No, I think the 700 competitions next. Oh, dude, you got 700s already. Yeah, but you know, okay. You need to get a 380. No, I don't. Here's the deal. After that 570, and I can say this, was the best, smoothest, cleanest, most trouble-free build I have ever done in this hobby. Every screw was correct. Every hole was perfect. I didn't... The instruction manual was great. Uh, the way that they label the bags, you know, I didn't have to go through digging and finding and, and I didn't have to get out my, you know, uh, calipers to measure screw lengths because I knew that, oh, well in this bag is this, it was just so, it was such an awesome build experience that I really sat back and was like, God dang, they got these things dialed. So I don't know. I mean, I think I want to, I want to, well, I don't think I want, I know that I want a 700 competition. And you know what? I'm going to get the damn carbon edition too. Oh, dude. <laughs> Might as well. Dude. I'm treating myself this year, man. That's a big purchase for you. It is. That's a big one. Yep. I don't know when. I mean, I still got it. Let's let's get the one that's on the bench up and flying first. Well, which I'm just waiting on batteries, batteries yeah, and setup. It's true. Which oh, and I'm also uh, I'll finally get a chance to sit down and try the Soco app, the virtual main shaft. Yeah, that's the one thing I did not get to do this week. But I'm right there. I think I got to loop the tail belt on the pulley. Adjust the tail belt tension, solder some motor wires, and then do the setup, and it's ready to go. What do you think, Jesse? What's the prediction on when the next Goblin shows up in Nick's fleet? Uh, probably not next Friday, but maybe the following. The fo- oh, dude. <laughs> oh, dude. Are you I don't gonna- know, dude. He just bought batteries. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I wasn't going to be that aggressive Especially with it. If, if you're looking at you know, buying more batteries to for... 700s and stuff i'm i'm thinking a couple two months i i would say two months i think is fair 
Like I got 570 packs this uh, this week. Uh, next week will definitely be 500 packs. I'll probably pick up two of those, and then I'll probably put start at that point. Start putting some funds toward the 700 carbon. Oh man. And you know what? Going carbon. I'm going to, dude, I'm going trioblin. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you are like, you're all in fanboy. And it's he's, not even fanboy B-O-Y. It's like fanboy B-O-I. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like the full on fanboy. Boy. Yeah. I, that's right. I'm having fun, man. No, I'm glad. That's awesome. That yeah. is freaking cool. I I did just realize that I'm now at three goblins. Yeah, when, which with which the is more than which me. Is, so it is more than you. But let's withhold the. I offset boy. it with the with the German awesomeness. That's the thing, dude. That's oh, the difference. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're, you're slumming with the goblins, is what you're saying? Nah, not really. Not really. But Kinda. yeah. <laughs> kind, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> no, no, they're great. Well, just like you said, they're great helis. No, yeah, they are. Yep, I gotta try the three blade. I got. I have to. I'm just dying. I'm dying inside. I, not, I had not forgotten about that. I can't believe you haven't tried it yet. Well, I don't think it makes sense right now for the speed with the batteries the way they are. I have been talking to uh, Kyle, Kyle Stacy about the two blade. And it sounds like that's worthwhile giving a shot, both for the Goblin Speed and the 770 because of the, the way that you can change out the damping on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you do it more precisely than with the little shims, but who knows? I'm, I'm, uh, I like my Goblins. I, I called Kyle Cashwell because I bought it from Rotary Wing, my, my 380, and mm-hmm. I called him up. I'm like, dude. I'm getting a 380, and he's like, oh, my God, it's a third goblin. So, <laughs> Sweet. Well, I All think right. That, yep. Fingers crossed. We're flying tomorrow. Yeah, I hope so. Fingers crossed. That's all I got. News? <laughs> Does anyone have Zero. news? It's kind of why we talked longer, huh? Because... Well, we talk longer because it's us. Well, that's true, <laughs> but if we had a shload of news to talk about, we probably could have curtailed that a bit. Nah, probably. All right, I do not see see any news. Yeah. Jesse, you want to make up some news? We could try to make something up. Yeah, let's let's make up something really crazy. Jesse bought a new heli. Oh, wow, man, that hurt. Rough crowd. Yeah. Ouch. Rough I didn't crowd. laugh, Jesse. That's okay. Congratulations, me, me Jesse. Dan has bought a new one, and you Dan. have not. <laughs> that Dan is has true. bought a new heli. I saw a picture of the box. I did as well. Yeah, we don't know if there was a heli in there. Just when you thought that the guys at Soko Heli Tools had pushed setup methodology to the absolute state of the art, they come out with yet another innovation. In combination with their Soko Helical, which fits all sizes and all brands of helis, they've recently announced the Soko Heli Tools mobile app. 
This app greatly simplifies your setup by completely eliminating the need for a level working surface or main shaft. Available in stores soon for Android and Apple devices, this new mobile software will do everything that your original SoCo kit did, but with the added benefit of all measurements, calculations, and directions in one easy-to-use app. When you're ready to kick it up a notch with your heli setup, visit the SoCo team at www.soco-heli-tools.com and check it out. SoCo Heli Tools next generation setup. Now we have been very much so looking forward to doing this. Uh, we, we let a couple of them build up a little bit and then things got a little hectic. Uh, we had to get a couple other things in there with the game show and everything, but we have some questions. So thank you to everyone who sent your questions in via little audio clip. Uh, we just we love the idea of this, and we hope to continue to grow it uh, and keep doing it. So if you guys like it, feel free to send these in. We're going to throw these in just kind of randomly uh, throughout even just the normal episodes. We don't have to wait for an entire episode to do it. Uh, so first one up, we have Ryan, Ryan Millam. Ryan's got a question for us. So uh, let's say we take a listen to that. And then uh, see what you guys think. How's that sound? Ready. All right, let's do it. Hey, guys. My name's Ryan Milam from Norman, Oklahoma. Um, with the last week's episode or the week before last, um, we were talking about, you know, what brands are going are gonna to be around for a long time. And I thought Miniature Aircraft would be one of those brands. And I currently have one uh complete miniature aircraft airframe um the whiplash 700 uh not the newer one just the x not the ex and then i have another one that uh is up in the air and flying it's uh got some incredible electronics in it and the thing is is i've been tempted to sell both of the airframes and get a uh a logo airframe. I currently fly a, a logo 690SX. Um, I have a Goblin 500, but I mean, I have about five of each part um, for the miniature aircraft Whiplash, so I could continue to fly it for a long time. The thing is, is that the value has gone down tremendously since MA has gone out of business, and I'm really tempted to try to sell both airframes and get, you know, whatever I can for them and just buy. Uh, another airframe, either a Goblin 700 or a, maybe a Logo 700 Extreme and throw my electronics from the Whiplash in that. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, I'm thinking the most I can get is, you know, $600 tops for both airframes with all the parts that I've got, um, three or four brand new canopies, uh, and now that I uh, have a logo, I really have fallen in love with it, and uh, I'm liking the Mikado, so, and I'm also liking the Goblin 500, so what do you guys think I should do? Should I keep flying it? Uh, I've got plenty of parts, or should I sell the airframes and everything, miniature aircraft that I have, and buy a new airframe and throw the, the really nice electronics I have in my Whiplash now into something new? Thanks for hopefully taking my question and keep doing the show. Uh, I listen to it every Monday. It's my favorite day of the week. Uh, that's a tough one. Yeah, this Man. this one's really... I, what a bad spot. I mean, mm. we, and we, dude, 
We've all been there. Yeah, <sighs> dude, I've I've got a mid-air airframe sitting here right now with a bunch of spares. Hanging on the wall? Now, I don't fly it. And yes. so, okay, I'll, I'll take this one to begin yeah. with. And, and hey, Nick, his last name is prena- pronounced Milam, I think. Milam. Milam. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's, that's what we do. We screw up last names. So, <laughs> Ryan, that's a great question. I loved my Minairs when I was flying them. My problem with I, it, this is a personal thing for me. I don't like holding on to airframes that aren't being supported currently. Because I feel like that's going to temper how I fly them. Now, if you've literally got like five sets of spares and you could rebuild the heli multiple times if you crashed it, then I'd say go for it. You know, if you love the models, if you think they fly well and they're worth holding on to, then fly them until you can't fly them anymore and then eventually swap over the electronics. But if it's one of those things where you've only got maybe one crash worth, if that were me, I'd mm. feel like I would fly more reserved or I wouldn't fly it as much for fear of crashing it and then ultimately bringing that heli to an end. Uh, yeah. man, I don't know. Jesse, what do you think? Uh, yeah, so I got a couple thoughts on this because to me, just from listening to the question, I'm getting the vibe that he's already kind of moved on. You know, he's looking towards a new heli. He's talking about pulling the electronics out. In fact, he's he's already running numbers on what he thinks he's going to get for the miniature aircraft model. So, in, in kind of in my opinion, and like you had mentioned, Justin, since it's not supported anymore, I feel like it's got to be something that you're really attached to, to, to hold mm-hmm. on to. Because otherwise, what what's the point? Why, why are you hanging on? It's It's got to be that heli that, you know, you absolutely love. You have some sort of, I don't, I don't know, just some sort of attachment connection where you're like, this, you know, this is my heli. I'm just going to fly the thing till I cannot fly any longer. But kind of the vibe I'm getting from the the question is, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. So in, unless there's some connection there that that we're missing or didn't get portrayed in the question, I don't see a whole lot of value in hanging on to it. All right, so I'm gonna I'll play devil's advocate in this, and I think the biggest thing, Ryan, that you need to ask yourself is what you know, what are you trying to get out of this? Uh, there is nothing like flying a new model. And, you know, while, uh, you know, the M8s weren't bad helis, I, I think that reliability-wise, I think, you know, going to a Logo 700 or a Goblin 700 or something like that, you would be doing yourself a favor. However, the flip side to that is that with that many spares... You know, do you like the way that it flies? Can you go out and enjoy yourself flying? If that's the case, I mean, five, six hundred bucks is, I mean, that's a lot of, that's a lot of flying. I mean, realistically, what you're going to get out of five, four or five crash parts, you know, worth of of crash parts, sets of crash parts for that amount of money. I mean, you're talking about, seriously, one good, healthy crash. One crash on a Logo 700. One. Yeah, and that's... I, see, dude, I'm with you 100%. So you really got to say, what What are... You know, if you're looking for a reason to get a new model, dude, 
Don't even. I mean, <laughs> just you do found it. it. <laughs> you found it. You don't need one. We f- <laughs> we're grown men and we fly toy helicopters. That's enough of a reason to buy <laughs> whatever the hell you want, whenever the hell you want. You don't need to justify it to us or to anyone else. If you want me to tell you that's what I think you should do, then do it. Because you only live once and it's fun. And I, I can so relate to that. Because right now, I'm living it. I'm having fun doing it. But if it's, you know, stick time, uh, dollar per flight, what you want to get out of it. If you have had good luck and reliability and you feel that you can continue to progress and enjoy the model that you have, economically that is in my opinion the best route to go um but that's not always you know you have to have your head in the game this whole flying everything we have and do is about having your head in the game and it's you know what can i do to constantly keep things fresh and keep me excited about the hobby and keep me wanting to get better or wanting to do this or that so you know maybe it is time just because you need a You know, you need something new to revive. But if you're not that kind of person, if you're going to go out there and fly the same, no matter what hell you've got and have fun, then fly them till the last one goes in the ground and giggle and say it's been a good run and and then deal with it. Just know what you're getting yourself into because 600 bucks isn't going to get you far with a Goblin 700 or a Logo 700. No. It's it would not. be a different story yep. if you're like, you know what, I'm going to turn this into a 500 class heli or a 360. Then, you know, you you got a pretty darn good chunk of money towards it. Yeah. But 600 isn't going to get you either of those kits, used or new. And it's about the price of the crash if you really drive one in on the Logo 700 and probably not far off on the Goblin 700, depending on how bad it is. No. Now... I mean, you know, the reliability part is a big deal because I couldn't, we didn't get very many flights in a row before we were having problems with with the whiplash. You know, the original ones. Yes, that is um, absolutely yeah. true. And even continued, unfortunately, into the EX with the tail issues. If so, I had a dollar for every time I blew out a tail gear, I might be able to buy myself another whiplash kit. You know, okay, but... <laughs> Some people have had great luck, and their flying style never seems to be an issue. So life is good. Life is happy. But if you find yourself wrenching a fair amount per flight count, then, you know, that that might be enough reason it's there there to do it. So, yeah, hopefully that helps. Maybe. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe we just brought up like 10 questions he never even thought of. Yeah, maybe he's like, damn it, I knew what I wanted to do, and now I'm screwed. (laughs) Yeah, well, all right. So thanks again, Ryan, for sending that in. We appreciate it. Uh, Let's move on to the next one. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Wacky waving inflatable arm flailing tube man. Hi, I'm Justin Pucci, and despite what you may think, I'm not here to talk to you about wacky, waving, inflatable, arm-flailing tube men. What I am here to tell you is that the guys over at Rotary Wing RC are stocking up on all forms of heli goodness and passing the savings on to you. Need a fly barless system? Joe and Kyle have Bavarian Demon, Skookum, and Icon. Looking for a heli? What about Gowie or one of those Garbins? 
Servos? Look no further for BK servos and MKS. And who could forget the German amazingness that is Contronic? I sure can't because I just bought three of them. So head on over to www.rotarywingrc.com and get yourself loaded up with awesome today. Rick Nixon. Yeah, I love the name, Rick. <laughs> Justin. <laughs> just, God. I was like, dude, Richard Nixon sent us a question. <laughs> that may be offensive to certain people, so, you know, take it how you will. But, yeah, let's hear what Rick has to say. All right, here we go. Hi, guys. This is Rick in Atlanta. My 30-something nephew is about to graduate from micros to something more substantial. I was wondering if you have a recommendation for a 360 to 380 size heli for a beginner. Thanks. I really look forward to the show every week. Citizen 150. Ah, yes. The first big boy heli. I remember those days. Oh, yeah. And man, oh, man. Oh, love it. I love that excitement. I can feel it. I just remember spooling one up. Yeah, going like, (laughs) 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 little kid laugh, little kid laugh. Um... I don't know, Jesse, what do you think? What would you get right now? Justin's kind of, well, he, he sealed the deal, but it's 360 class, super popular. Yeah, it's kind of, in in my mind, ah, that's a tough one. So especially after hearing Justin just getting rid of the chase, because you know, you asked me two weeks ago, there's kind of three major players, and now I'm really kind of just, in the, you know, obviously this is going to, go off of past experience but the warp obviously pops right into my head i've had great luck with it i know nick flew on for a while um seems to be really reliable but now with the goblin 380 coming out you know that's another real contender um that you gotta consider and i don't know price wise uh maybe justin can oh i'll hit talk on this, all about price wise the prices you know you gotta look at okay so coming from a micro how active are you on the sim will probably lead to how much do you expect to crash or I guess how proficient you were with the micro. Yep. So you definitely got to take into account one, the cost of the kit, cause that's going to be your upfront cost. You know, what's it going to cost me to get the heli and get it in the air, but then also think what's it going to cost for me to maintain fly build and fix this heli for years to come. So two major things to look at. And really, it just it depends on each individual and which direction you want to go. I agree. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give a surprising answer. I am gonna say that when you're coming from a micro to a 450, I think your or 360. Excuse me. I think your first, we'll call that the real heli. I think that is one personally that will be a write off. My guess is that mm-hmm. it's gonna get crashed. A fair amount, and that's okay, and it doesn't need to be the best, and I don't think you need to go out. I don't think you need to, quote, unquote, invest in your first 360 heli. Um, so I, because I think what you think that you want, uh, you know, later on is going to change. Uh, I believe that class is here to stay. I love that mm-hmm. class. I would actually, you know, now I haven't done any personal research on it, but I think that the Blade 360 should be considered. 
Now, why do I say that? Well, because parts are everywhere. So that's that's what leads me to say that is that parts are everywhere. Generally speaking, they're not that bad. It's going to fly by all means good enough for you to get through your whole first set of stages of learning. The 7200BX is pretty cut and dry on it. Yep. Uh, you know, you can upgrade this and that as you do it. It looks like a really good solid design. I just don't think that... Uh, I, I think for the first 360, there's something to be said about I bought a heli, it's complete. I have a I have a baseline now. I have a starting point. I don't yep. have to build it. I just need to fix it. Um. You know, okay, it's not the fanciest, but it's not the, it's not junk. And, uh, you know, again, the the parts availability, the help and support, it's a very, you know, they're popular helis. Uh, You can hop on any forum and ask questions and you're going to find a lot of people flying them. So I, that's why I'm not too concerned uh, about buying the best of the best on the first one. Because it's to me, it's kind of a write-off. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and completely disagree with everything that you just said. Yeah. Woo! I'm going to pour a drink while you do that. Do that. <laughs> yeah, devil's advocate. So I, I absolutely hear where you're coming from on this one, Nick. I, I think if this were four or five years ago, I would probably be giving the same advice. But nowadays, I think that any of the... Any of the 360, 380 class helis out there are going to work depending on what you're looking for. Now, obviously, you're not going to hear me recommend a chase based on my personal experience. But having said that, I also have talked to a number of people that haven't had any problems with them, and they are great. And when mine was working, I loved the freaking model. It's, It's simple and easy to work on. You got to get down to prices, though, like Jesse was alluding to. The Goblin 380, I think, is going to be an awesome model. But when I did the price comparison on parts between the 380 and, say, a Goblin uh, or a Gowie X3, the Chase, even the Align, we're talking about anywhere between 50 and 100% increase in price for a given part on the Goblin. It's it's twice as expensive to crash a 380 as it is to crash a Chase or an X3 based on the parts that I looked at, sort of the standard crash parts. That's a big deal, especially if you're coming from micros because you know you're going to crash it. Oh, yeah. Now, I I would still recommend looking at the Blade 360, not for the same reasons that you suggested, but because I think Blade really nails it in the micros nowadays. And it's a fully featured model. It it looks like it's well designed, and I expect it's going to be reliable. Plus, like you said, the parts are all over the place. Parts are all over the place, though, for the Goblin and for the Align, and I'd say to a lesser extent the Gowie and the Compass, based on prior experience. I don't like the fact that it comes fully built, though, because... For me, I think it's important at that early stage in learning to build everything that you've got because that gives you the confidence for when it crashes. I mean, you guys know back when you first started, 
even after building it, you'd drive one in and you'd get that reluctance like, oh man, now I got to take it apart and I don't know the thing inside and out and I, I'm really new to this and not sure what to do here and there. And so it just kind of sits there until you've got the guts to pull the trigger. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you're worried yeah. about, am I going to know what to look for? You know, right. or am I going right. to know every part that could have broken in this crash? Right. Yeah, Justin, I want to point out one thing that you mentioned about the parts availability. What what I think, and I'm not sure if this is what Nick meant or not, but with the blade, I think the availability is higher than all those other models just because you can walk down to the store and buy them. Yeah, that's Hopefully. a good point. The local you can be hobby back shop. In the air, you know, same, same day, potentially, you could be right back in the air flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just, it you know, but, okay, let's Blade say... parts aren't cheap. No, they're not, but they're not 380 parts. And, I mean, now here's the other flip side. If he's a hardcore simmer, and you know, like Jesse, dude, well, you, you came straight off and you went, you did not crash much. No. At all. Nope. Now, if that's the case, maybe he's got, maybe his pockets aren't shallow. Maybe he says, you know what? You know what I do not want? I do not want mechanical problems. I don't want any of that. I have no problem buying the, you know, above average. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have a problem with that at all. Well, then, you know what? I feel that the, the Goblin 380 is the best in that class. So, if if crash parts cost isn't a big deal, then by all means, I mean, go for it. Um, but if you're going to be driving it in and, you know, fixing it fairly frequently and uh, then I, w I wouldn't hesitate. I guess where I'm kind of getting at is I feel like your first 360 class, uh, you're going to end up probably getting rid of and or upgrading and or moving on to something else. Bigger. Because it's just such a learning experience. So don't don't worry about it too much. Get whatever you can get the best local and support in and parts availability to keep you flying as much as possible. Yep. I think you want to get the most reliable thing out there because nothing will kill your motivation more than having to deal with a bunch of crap that you don't understand how to fix or tune out or can't fix because it's a characteristic of the model. Yeah, I mean, we've too. all been flying for years, and that's, that shit still drives me nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, fair. Very, very fair. Well, thank you very much, Rick, for sending us that question. And we've got, let's see, I got, well, we got time for one more. If there's one thing I've learned since I've gotten into this hobby, it's that if you're going to buy it, buy it once and buy quality. With my recent purchase of the iCharger 4010 Duo, I feel like not only did I get quality, but I'm gonna get exceptional charging performance. So if it's time to upgrade your charging system, buy it once, buy it right, www.progressiverc.com. Are you guys ready for this? Yep. Who do All we right. have now? Uh, we've got Neil Clayton up with a question for us. 
let's take a listen to that and see what he's got to say. Hey, greetings from New Zealand. My question is, is success on a 570 viable? We used to run success on the likes of the Align T-Rex 550. This would result in puffed packs and much sadness at the field. Boo, crying. Basically just overdriving the battery, drawing too much current. Do you think options such as a 6S Goblin 570 are now viable? I'm wondering if advances in ESC and motor efficiency, coupled with a lower frame weight, make that much of a difference, such that this 550 plus machine is now a viable option. Uh, if it matters, I'm flying Sport plus Mild 3D with the odd uh, <laughs> awful collective management. I'll call it Hard 3D. Yeah, awesome. Um, yep, yeah, keen on your thoughts. Thanks, guys. Keep up the awesome show. This is a really good question. See, this one's cut yep. and dry for me. Uh, uh, this one's so just cut and dry for me. I'm going to come flat out and say no. And that's a strong statement. Is it viable? Yes. But I think it's only good for, I mean, only workable for sport. I mean, we're talking about swinging larger blades with the same power setup that, like you mentioned, the T-Rex 550. I mean, yeah, it, I, I think I would generally mm -hmm. agree. I mean, Neil, you, you made a comment about how years ago, you know, we were flying these same sorts of things on 6S and we'd get a puffy lipo. And, you know, just to be clear, the main technology that has advanced in the last four or five years to get us to a point where that is less likely to occur, not saying not not possible, but less likely, is the battery technology. Back four or five, six years ago, the standard pack was probably only sitting at 10, 15, maybe 20C. Whereas nowadays, as long as you're getting quality packs, you're in the very least in the 25-ish C range, if not 30 or 35. That makes a huge freaking difference, okay? Because it all comes down to internal heating through that IR, through that internal resistance. That said, I still agree with you, Nick, in general, if it was pure sport, low head speed, you're not smacking it around, I would personally feel comfortable with it, but I would go into it knowing that the life of my packs is going to be altogether less than if it was a higher cell count. And it's because you're running much closer to the capacity of those packs in terms of discharge rate in a continuous way. Yeah, and when you beat packs yeah. that hard, you don't get as many cycles out of them. No, and I don't. I don't feel. Man, I gotta tell you, I just with charger technology, I do not see the advantage. I just don't see any advantage to success. Any price, uh, but okay. Yeah. Uh, let's talk price. Uh, you're gonna put. Let's just say what's a what's an economical. ESC to put in there on a 6S setup. Uh, Edge 120? Yeah, I'd say one. Yeah. I'd go with a 120. Okay. Maybe so, a Scorpion 130. Okay, right. Well, now go 12S and an 80 is perfectly fine. Yep. Agreed. I bought an yep. Edge 80. Okay, so now we're, we're cheaper. Motors are a wash. 
we're just talking different KV, same class, same everything, you know, 40, 25, 550 versus a 40, 25, 1100. Just, you know, using ballpark figures. So now let's talk packs. You're to get decent flight time out of a 550 you, uh, at, at, you know, we'll call it a 3D head speed. 6S 5000s. Anyone disagree? Yeah, hmm? 4,500 to 5,000 probably. Right in there. Okay. And Which are right around, let's say, 140 to 180 a pack, depending so on what the brand is. let's just say 150. 150, right? Yep. Okay, so now... Now, so like I just bought two 2700s for my 12S setup, mm-hmm. which aren't quite half of the cost, but they're definitely not like crazy far off. So the only difference... Well, how, how much are the 27s? So a 6S, 2700 milliamp, 30C pack. Right? Mm-hmm. 75 yep. bucks. Okay. So you get two of them and you're at 150. 150. Okay. That's a that's a pretty compelling argument from a price standpoint. I it's slightly easier. more uh convenient on a single pack, and I only say slightly because I agree with today's chargers, it yeah. pretty much, you know, levels the playing field, but you do have an extra connector or two or you know a a series harness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, and the equivalent brand, you know, would be would be 140 to be accurate for a 6S 5030C. But again, now we're saying, okay, ooh, is that, I'm going to be pushing it harder though. Is this labeled 30C pack enough or should I actually get the 50C? Yeah, well, and I, I think really what it comes down to from my perspective, Neil, is what is what is your objective? Why? Let me see. My question is, what is pushing you towards a six cell versus a 12 cell setup? Is there is there something in particular that's motivating you to want to go that path? Is it the perception that the price is less is it the the thought that it's more convenient with a single pack? See, I just don't feel that anymore. Yeah. Any of those arguments are, are viable. I, I Go back two years or three years, completely agree. There were differences, but all these helis have battery trays now. Yep. I mean, any good heli's got a battery tray. I'm sorry if that's a pretty big statement, but if you don't and you have two batteries, kind of sucks. So now the the two battery versus one, it kind of almost isn't two batteries. It's all on one tray. I, I mean, you've got parallel charging capabilities already. What's the difference? Uh, price, we're talking $10, maybe $20 difference no. for your packs, but yet your ESC's cheaper. You're running a, an undeniably more efficient system. High head speed, low head speed, doesn't matter. It's flat out more efficient. So I I still stick with my... Yeah, and you know, that that's another really good point, Nick, is 
we talk about the efficiency and what we're really saying is that with a 12S or even a 10S, although I don't, I'm not saying go do 10S. I think you got to do 12 if you're going to do multi-packs, but with the higher cell count, it is more efficient. And the reason it's more efficient is because you're running a lot lower current, a lot lower current. And that doesn't just translate to your packs. It also means that the rest of the power system is under overall less stress. And that's a big deal. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to see heating on the ESC as much on the motor as much. And while people may argue what, you know, the effects of that may be in terms of the longevity of a given component, I'd much rather run my ESC, you know, cool or a couple of tens of degrees above ambient than burning hot every time I bring it down. <laughs> yeah, there is yeah. one, though. I should I should bring this up to be completely fair. We are talking about 100 grams difference, I would say. In, in weight, the mm-hmm. 12S setup is slightly heavier. So I do want to be fair and bring that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, another another argument that I see for the 12S is, you know, even though he mentions that right now, Sport Pilot, Mild 3D, to be, I don't know, to, to make the heli more future-proof, because if this is something that you plan to advance with and, you know, get better and grow with the heli, eventually, you're probably going to reach that point where the 6S, like 100% without a doubt, is not cutting it, even if it seems like, well, I could probably get by with it right now. So... Yeah, and you just put the nail in the coffin, Jesse. That's it right there. I agree. Because then, now all of a sudden, you're buying two power systems. One to set the heli up right now, maybe fly for a year, before you realize, oh, crap, I really need 12S now. And now you're going to go drop about the same amount of money to buy a 12S setup. (laughs) Well, and even just looking at it at the big picture, okay, (laughs) 6S on 550 millimeter blades didn't work that good. 6S on 570, definitely not going to work. Equally not no, as good. <laughs> equally and or worse, not as good. Yep. So I think it's a very viable question. Thank you very much for sending that because I, I think it's a, it's a great topic. But my opinion is that it is all at this point perception. It's a perception that 6S is cheaper or more for that. I just don't think so. In this day and age, I, I don't, I don't see it being u- usable for anything, nope. unless it's five hundred, five hundred or smaller. Yep, yep. Cool. Well, thank you, Neil, for sending that in. We appreciate it. Thank you for your support from New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, awesome that's to awesome. Hear from everyone all over. I, I, I've actually got a written question. I know it's not as. Not as cool and crazy as this new questions at rchelionation.com email thing. But uh, one more, and this is a technical topic. This is from our good friend Michael Ludke uh, over in Puerto Rico. Uh, I think you guys know who I'm talking about. We saw him at OHB again. He was at our fun fly. Mm-hmm. I'm flying his motor. Are you? Okay, there, <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the 4025. What's there you this? go. So... Um, Michael has a really good question. He said that he had gotten into uh, sort of a heated debate at his local field on parallel charging. And his question is, Justin, can you explain why when charging different capacity packs in parallel, 
that the smallest capacity pack is not being charged over its max C rating. For example, if you're charging a 2000, a 4000, and a 5000 milliamp hour pack, let's just say they're all the same cell count, 6S, at 1C charge rate. From everything I've read, 11 amps, or the sum of those three values, uh, would be the charge rate. We're having this discussion at the local club, and some people are saying that you have to base it on the smallest capacity pack so that you don't overcharge that 2,000 milliamp hour pack. Okay. I think this is a really great question. That is a a great question. I never even thought about it, but I could see where this could be a a huge point of confusion. So let me me clear it up here, and I'm going to do it with a simple uh, analogous situation. We'll see how this works for people. Okay, so we're talking batteries, and we've got to deal with capacity in milliamp hours. Uh, we, we measure the percentage of the total capacity that the pack has charged, its state of charge, if you will, by looking at cell voltage, right? Generally speaking, it's 100% fully charged when the cells are at about 4.2-ish volts. And it is mostly discharged when it's at about 3.7, 3.75, somewhere in that range, depending on the chemistry. Okay, so let's look at this as a fluid analogy. So I've got three cups, okay? And the cups have three different volumes or three different capacities, just like the three different size packs, all the same cell count. All right. Now, the the cup volumes are they are a multiple of each other. So the smallest one is 10 cubic units. The second one is 20 and the largest one is 30. Remember, the way that a lipo charges is it has two phases. It has a constant current phase where you've set your charge rate, say, at 10 amps. And you can see the cell voltage increasing and then it gets to 4.2 volts and it has a constant voltage phase where the current now drops down until it gets to the C over 10 or whatever the set point you have in your charger to terminate. All right. So when we fill, we're going to fill these cups with three streams of water that come out of the same tank and that's your charger. And the three streams are going through the three different wires that plug into your parallel charge board. They have to stay at the same percentage of total capacity, their state of charge in the battery terminology or their state of fill in the cups. So if the smallest one fills at a rate of one cubic unit per second, such that after five seconds, it's half full. It's at 50% state of full or state of charge, right? The second one, the middle one, fills at a rate twice that, two cubic units per second. So after five seconds, it's also 50% full. And the third largest one fills at a rate three times that of the smallest or three cubic units per second. So after five seconds, it's still only 50% full. That is exactly what is going on with your batteries, okay? So when you plug in 
three or four, however many different batteries of different capacities, but of the same cell count and state of charge. And it's key. It's got to have the same state of charge. You don't want to put one on that's at four and one that's on 3.7. What ends up happening is those packs will charge at a rate commensurate with the proportion of total parallel capacity that each pack represents. So a 2,000, a 4,000, and a 5,000 in the example that Michael gave us can be charged at a total parallel current of 11 amps, which would be 1C. And what you'll find is each pack will effectively charge at roughly 1C simultaneously because it needs to maintain the same cell voltage throughout the constant current portion of the charge cycle. Yes, sir. Makes sense. In a nutshell, you always set your parallel charge current to the value of the total capacity that you are charging. And then whatever the C rate uh, uh, multiplier is. Now that, okay, that is something that should be considered. So if you are going to parallel, let's let's go back to that. If we're going to parallel charge those three batteries... You add up all their capacities, figure out what 1C is, and, you know, with them all added Mm -hmm. together. But then what you do need to be aware of is you can only charge, you should only charge at the C rating, the, the C rating of the battery that has the lowest C rating. So if, you know... Let's say, well, these two packs over here can charge at 5C, but this one only charges at 3C, then you need to only charge at 3C. Yep. Yeah, and, and that's, that is a fair point. Absolutely, Nick. That is true. Nowadays, so, uh, most of the new packs can pretty much handle anything up to 5C. <laughs> I can tell you everything I have gets charged yeah, at 5C. Me too. <laughs> I, I ain't got no time for that, but what I'm just... Um, I want to let everyone know that don't get confused with, you know, the the charge rates. The only thing that you do really need to watch in parallel charging, as far as that goes, is don't, you know, if you've got this this old pack over here that's only a 2C charge rate and you're slapping on a couple of your brand new Opti's or whatever and you're going to crank them all up, Yep. Uh, <laughs> you really should charge at the slowest rate of all of those. That, packs. and as I mentioned, you need to charge parallel packs at similar states of charge. Now that, oh, that's a good That's one. a great question. What is, and, and I have been flat out asked this, how far apart is okay? Yeah, it's a really good question. I have personally gone as far as about a tenth of a volt. So I've had a pack that sits at, say, 375, and then another pack that has cells that are at the 38 to 385, and I've charged them both in parallel, and there's, there's no problem. Um, the charger got- itself, the charger itself will compensate for that to a certain extent in much the same way as we sort of described here on this parallel with the same state of charge but different capacities, but... Uh, you you just want to be careful. I can say that, okay, well, how about this? If you're going to go farther apart, 
Uh, this might be a little controversial, but how long do you let them sit? So let's say we're going to go. I, I can tell you right now, I've done extremes on this because I kind of wanted to know. And I'll, I'll give the big warning. I was prepared. These were packs that <laughs> I was in a situation where I was going to watch it physically sitting right there in front of me. Uh, I To the point of like with DVOMs. Stuff like that. This was something that I wanted to know. Was pull, fully prepared that I might potentially damage a pack and or charger and or everything. I have done like one at 3.8 and one battery at 4.1. So three tenths of a volt apart. Okay. And you had no problem. If, no, I did have a problem. Okay. I didn't have a problem if I let them set. And uh, what I mean by let them set is hook them up in parallel and let them sit together for a while. The one with the higher voltage will inevitably charge. I'm going to use that term very loosely, charge the one with the oh, lower yeah, voltage. Yeah, you don't use it loosely. That's exactly what's happening. And it, and it will balance out, but it does take time. It is not instantaneous. It's not like you plug no, them together and boom, they're not even. at all. So what I found was that if I immediately plugged them in and started charging, guess what happened to the battery with the higher cell voltage? Take a guess. What? Go ahead. We're talking like 5C charge rate right off the bat. I overcharged it. Hmm. I... It, it as soon as I disconnected it, the cell voltage was higher. Yeah, like, like yeah, and that, it overcharged. That makes sense. I mean, because I, it, when you're plugging them in together, that you know the charger's gonna let's see. So I got four one over here, and I got three eight over here. So let's just, for hypothetical reasons, say the charger sees four volts. So it starts cranking it up. But really, if you were to immediately disconnect them, you know. At, after charging it for five minutes at a high C rate, the other one might disconnected. The higher cell voltage one actually bounced up over 4.2 volts. So uh, that was kind of a good learning experience. If you're going to go far apart, then by all means, I, I just don't recommend it. Um, but if they are more than, you know, if they're two tenths of a volt, at least plug them together in parallel. Let them sit for 15, 20 minutes, half hour. I'll do you one better. Don't waste your time. Just put the lower pack in and charge it up to the same state of charge. That's what yeah. I do. Yeah. I don't yeah. bother that, with that, them That really is the best. I just want to let everyone know that you can potentially overcharge yep. a cell even on a, a good charger, parallel charge. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And that's what happens when you have a cell drop on a, on one pack. You know, if you have a faulty cell on one pack mm -hmm. and you're charging your two, your stick pack in parallel, mm -hmm. you will overcharge that companion cell on the other yep, pack. Absolutely. Yep. So, you know, uh, we all parallel charge. It's pretty much kind of the norm now, but I'll be damned if I don't, Every, you know, at basically at the end of every flying day and or at the beginning of the next one, I go through with a cell meter and I'm checking every single cell on every pack, looking at them, 
checking, okay, yep, yep, they're still all balancing good. Okay, yep, they're still all balancing good. And that's why I've had success taking these packs down to the absolute bare nibblins left in them is because I've I've been conscious of the individual cell voltages. Yep. Yep. True. Cool, man. Good question. Well, that, that was good one. fun. Yep. Very good. Hope we, we got some answers there. So let's uh let's bail, boys. I think yeah, it's about it that is time. Definitely yeah. time. Uh Justin, where are we at on the fun fly? We're in the same spot. September seventeenth through the twentieth. Be there. We're gonna get in a awesome. we're gonna nice. get an actual uh we're gonna get an actual we'll flyer, get flyer and an announcement yep. and an event posted. Uh so and and you know, I will get a website up on our or a page rather up on our website, just like we have in the past with information, you know, when, where, directions to a map, um, sort of what all the amenities will be as well as uh, local hotels and stuff like that so that you guys can start planning. Nice. We'll have all that up really soon. Just solidifying a couple more little things, but uh, yeah. Stores still up and going. We we do have stuff in stock. We've still got some sweatshirts, couple hats left. I think. Uh, if I think it's, we only have one or two hats left. Yep. If you go on the website and pick the drop down for the size that you want on the item, if it shows up in the drop down, it's in stock. Ken is. I'm going to use the word painfully accurate because <laughs> it it. It makes me feel dumb. Yeah, it's almost His like he doesn't have anything to do but to sit there and wait for someone to buy something so he can update the inventory. I don't think we should say that because he might get in trouble at work. That's <laughs> true for that. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, definitely. We've got some cool things coming. Uh, we're we're waiting uh, for some stuff on the back end to get all worked out, and then uh, we will have... We're adding on to the store. We're going to have some more items available in the next coming months for 2015 for you guys, uh, which is exciting. Tech tips, we're still adding them up. I've got one sitting here with pictures that I need to do. Um, I'm sure as we start building more, if the speaker mod turns out, I'll be doing one on that. Um, They're always going up, so make sure and share those. Events, if you have your events, can't do. Okay. Let's all toot Ken's horn for a minute. Get, get, get this. And sorry, Mark, but we are. I'll tell you right now, we're stealing some of your content. So suck it, and you can live with it. Uh, Ken's going through and looking at all the events on Run Rider events page, which is pretty much about the best that I've seen, and is adding them to our calendar. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So, which is really cool. So as every time, every week, you guys, or as he gets time, you're going to see more events popping up there and there. And the idea is that we have every event that is posted on RunRider as well as ones that are just sent to us. The goal is to kind of get all the events. I full mean, coverage. As much as we can. Yeah, full coverage. So this is what you guys make of it. You know, every event that you know of with dates, it, send him an email. And... uh Get them as much information as possible. And if you're hosting an event, the more information, the better. We'll put it all up there so everyone can get it. Yep. 
Uh, oh, I do have one little cool thing. We have another review in the works. Yes, we do. Nice. Yeah, yes, I almost I forgot about say- that. I almost did too, because uh, it's already install- <laughs> installed. Uh want to say thank you very much to Justin's buddy Danny Melnick over at Demon Arrow. They sent us the R2 prototype buffer unit. Now, there's a couple different names, you know, Super Buffer, whatever you want to call it, Super Cap Pack. But it's basically, this is a, a buffer. I don't even want to use the term pack. It's a buffer unit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buffer it system, is, whatever you want to call it. It's not. It's super capacitors. Yeah. They're not. A, it's it not is. a lipo. And we're talking some big ass caps. I mean, oh my! The total capacity is like 150 farads. <laughs> okay, <laughs> take 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 that into consideration. I did not oh. put a milli or a micro. In yeah. front of the Farad's unit. Yes. It is uh, a really cool thing that I'm I'm excited. I have in I'm gonna be running it through the paces on the goblin five seventy. Now are you guys ready to seriously gasp and tell me that I'm an idiot? I am going to put this to the test. I hope not to in real life and have to. But I have I'm digging this thing so much, I'm running the Castle BEC on twelve S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Live, so living I on have the edge. got I am living <laughs> on the edge. And I'm gonna find out if it fails, if this thing really lives up to what it says. So I'm running a Castle BEC on twelve S with this buffer unit. We're gonna installed. have to do a controlled fail on the bench. Oh, well, that's definitely going to be a part of the reviews. I mean, for sure. And, and just uh, so people know, because, I mean, I, I, I'm i not sure if everyone's aware of the differences between the LiPo versions and the CAP versions. And, you know, we're not going to get into any detail here because Nick will go over it in the review. But to kind of wet your whistles a little bit, this is a buffer pack that doesn't require charging. No, it charges every time you plug it in. Uh, the voltage that it charges to is the voltage that your system supplies. And then as you lose power, you're basically using up the capacity in these supercapacitors to continue to power your system. Uh, it's not measured in milliamps. It's, and that's what I'm going to go into with the review. How long, you know, on this helicopter, if I lose BEC power and I lose receiver power, how long... Am I going to get out of it before it shuts down? Uh, Very unique. It's simple. And I, you know, it's got my attention. Uh, It's very lightweight. It's lighter than the actual batteries. Mm -hmm. So you posted a picture uh, on Facebook, right? I did. Yeah. Check it out. guys. It's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. It's not like it is not as small as a scorpion bug. But I feel that, you know, five, uh, let's see, I would say 550 class in larger. I wouldn't mm-hmm. worry about the size yeah. on, you know, I've got it. I've got it sitting in the back of the frames on the 570. 
Yep, I am looking so, yeah, forward nice. to this because if you give the stamp of approval, it is going on my speed helis. That is what I like. I don't need in, I don't need to turn anything on because I never do. Yeah. I mean, I'll just be honest. I forget every time. Yep. And I don't want something that if I forget to leave it on and I turn around and walk away. You no longer have a backup uh, solution. <laughs> that's right. That is the number of times correct. I've done that on the Scorpion backup guard is just it's countless at this point. Well, and then you know we also need to remember that uh, all of the other backup solutions that are an actual battery, just like any battery, needs to be maintained. Mm-hmm. Yep. You need to make sure that it doesn't, you know, it's not drawing down over time if you don't use it. And a, a setup like this is, you put it on the shelf, it it bleeds down and it's fine. I mean, it doesn't hurt it. Yep. Yep. So, yes, thank you again, uh, Demon Arrow and R2 Prototype, for giving us a shot at doing this review. All right, boys, let's do some emails. Justin. You can get me. If one were so inclined. If one were so inclined <laughs> to contact me, you could do so at Justin at rchelination.com, and then... You would cross your fingers in the hopes that you get through my horrific spam filter. (laughs) Because I still get like 800 million spam mails a day. And so oftentimes I will go in there and sift through them to see if I've missed anyone. And I'm kind of certain that I do because then I get nasty grams for people that are like, bitch. Why haven't you answered my email? <laughs> so uh, if you're not getting a response from me within, say, two weeks, guys, it's probably because I didn't get your email. And that's why I really say nowadays I lean even more heavily on Facebook. Facebook Messenger is big for me. But I understand if you're not a Facebook person, send me an email. Cool, Jesse. Now you can send me an email to jesse at rchelynation.com. And same thing, you can catch me on Facebook as well. Cool. If you guys have events or need to get uh, citizen questions or store questions, uh, you would send an email to Ken at rchelynation.com. And, of course, the Danimal. You can get a hold of Dan at dan at rchelynation.com. If you need to get a hold of me, I am Nick at rchelynation.com. And if you've got more questions, send them to questions at rchelynation.com. That is yeah. right. Well, this has uh, been episode number 176. We in hope... <laughs> oh. <laughs> ah, that was just... Try again. Yes, this has been episode 176. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Thank you and have a wonderful week. Later, guys. See you next Monday. Take it easy, guys. wonder how many people listened to the end of the last episode. A lot. Because I got a ton of people (laughs) that were like, oh, my God, I have just pissed in my pants. All right, guys. See you later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by 
Soco Heli Tools, Progressive RC, Blade Helicopters, BK Servos, Rev Electrics USA, and Rotary Wing RC. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to RC Heli Nation. For <laughs> Nation. Nation. Wow. That's, the, okay, that's no, like the Heli I'm Asian. definitely not. <laughs> Dude. Not doing that one. I'm not doing that one. I can't. <laughs> All right. We'll take one more hit. Of what rhymes with Asian? RC Heli Nation. <laughs> <laughs>